Hi there, everyone. I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome once again to the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week, I'm going to introduce you to a gentleman that has been around since the 90s. Wait a minute. He's been a Rotarian since the 90s, and he joined because, well, you know, he was in radio, and well, you know, Rotarians is where you meet all the business people. That may have been why Bruce Golson joined, but it's definitely not why he stays. Through his 40 years in Rotary, he has had exchange students, travels all over the world, and the joy to be on a committee with me. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? No. I'm just joking. Bruce is an amazing guy with an amazing rotary story, and he's going to share it with you. So join me, won't you? Bruce Golson is joining me for the conversation. And as always, we're so glad you joined us too. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am here in gray, rainy, frigid Washington state, but my friend Bruce Golden is in outside of Sarasota, Florida. And even though it was recently in the fifties there, he is in sunshine on my screen and he's going to tell me all about his rotary story and even a little bit about uh, what he's doing out of the world of radio. That's right. You'll notice right off the bat that Bruce has got one of the most awesome radio voices that you'll ever hear. And he's my friend and he's joining me on the podcast. Hi, Bruce from sunny Florida. How are you? Blinded by the light, Gwen. How are you? <laughs> Good. I know this is, this is a podcast, so people can't see us talking, but yes, yeah. he's literally squinting. I am. In a, I am in a t-shirt and I am bundled up with the heaters on full blast, but you know, yeah, it happens. How are you today? And Sarah, in the, I, I should say you're outside of Sarasota. Yeah. And a clandestine location outside of Sarasota. It's actually a, a lovely community called Longboat Key in Florida. And Ooh. we, uh, we, we are attempting to uh, winter here this winter because our other location is in Connecticut and that's a little, little chillier this time of year, like yes. a foot of snow the other day. <laughs> and we are, and we are razzing you that it got in the fifties. And we were joking before we went on the air that 50 degrees in the greater Florida area, the state of Florida is just like, it's the equivalent of a foot of snow and two degrees in uh, most of the world, especially yeah. the Northern part of the U S that's right. You had to in any part of Canada. Heat. Yeah. In any part of Canada. Exactly. So we're going to talk about your Rotary story. We're going to talk about uh, you being uh, the past district governor in your area. And we're going to talk about what you do, because when I asked you, like I do everybody else about what you're doing in Rotary right now, you just kind of went, well, not that much, but I'm doing a whole bunch. I like I'm doing some committees and I'm doing some of this and I'm doing some of that. So let's start with your story because it's you make it sound like you don't do a lot in Rotary. And I'm here to say that I know your secret secret and that you are a a, a well-known and well-loved part of Rotary and in a lot of committees doing a lot of things. So tell me about your Rotary story. What's your earliest recollection of Rotary and how'd you get started in Rotary? Well, very kind. First of all, you, I didn't say I don't do a lot of things. You asked me if I had any official titles and my oh, only official touche. title right now is past district governor. But no, I do a lot of things and um, most of them are worthwhile and fun. And some of them are just administrative and stuff that has to get done. But uh, my my the way I got into Rotary was like a, most people, many people get into Rotary. Um, uh, you, you kind of alluded to the fact that I, I have a little bit of a background in uh, broadcast media, and in particular in commercial radio, I actually started in college radio and then segued to commercial radio while I was in college. But um, I, as most many radio people do, we moved around from place to place to place. And when we ended up in a little town in Michigan in 1990, I didn't know anybody. And so I <laughs> talked to some friends of mine that I had just met when I moved there and they said, well, you could become a member of a service club. And I was in a town of about 20,000 people in, in rural Michigan. And the striking thing when you drove into this small town was the 
the welcome board on the town uh, sign had all of these emblems for all of these different services. Like the, the Shriners and the Lions. The Optimists and the, the, the Sir Optimists and the, the Civitan. And you could just go down the list. And they said, well, you know, you could go to Kiwanis or you could join Rotary. One of those two um, are kind of the big players in town if you want to meet who the movers and shakers are. And uh, no pun intended to our president Shaker from uh, Rotary right now. <laughs> but if you want to see who the people are, the uh, the, the people who really uh, shape this town, um, you, you should join either Kiwanis or Rotary. And and at the time, this was 1990, and I was I was still pretty young. I went to a Kiwanis meeting, and and I just felt like I was in a meeting of a. They were all the nicest men in the world. Did I say men? And yes. um, they, uh, but they were all, they just all reminded me of my very, my genial grandpa. And, and I just didn't feel like I was going to really fit in uh, with that group. And uh, they weren't necessarily I, moving or shaking. No, they, they were doing neither of those two things, but they, <laughs> they definitely were people who had um, contributed a lot to the community and still do. Um, and Kiwanis, by the way, has changed. And I have a lot of friends who are Kiwanians, and that's changed a great deal, as has Rotary over the years. And then I went to the Rotary meeting, and frankly, the, the average uh, age of the Rotarians in that meeting was not a whole lot different than the Kiwanians. But I did find that they, they tended to be more of the, uh, the owners and general managers, whereas the Kiwanians at this particular place were a lot of retirees and a lot of people who weren't. Um, the, the, the people who were the business owners. And so being working, running a radio station, I wanted to know people who were actively running and, and owning businesses in town. So uh, after going to several meetings from each, we just decided, um, I just decided that I was going to join the Rotary Club. And I had the, actually at the time, the guy who sponsored me was the general manager of the local downtown, not in a strip mall, JC Penny store. Wow. And, um, and, uh, they then moved out to the strip mall, but, or to the big mall in town. But, uh, so I, I, it's funny cause I don't have a lot of memories of a lot of things in life, but I remember Rich McLaughlin and he was the guy who sponsored me for the first time at Rotary. And so I started going to meetings, by the way, all men in 1990 at this club. And then not too long after I was uh, in that club, maybe six months to a year within, um, the uh, club decided that the board decided that they were going to admit women and they smartly, I think we inducted three or five women at one time rather than just bringing a woman in. But the poor, the one token woman to be yeah. in the club would be a little yeah. uncomfortable. Right. But, but I do remember that meeting distinctly because when they announced mm -hmm. that they were going to induct women into the club, it was either when they announced they were going to induct them or when they did induct them. Uh, there were probably 10 longtime, old-time Rotary members who got up and walked out, never to return. Wow. And and that was just striking to me. And, you know, this this was not the club that, that they had joined and that, you know, had belonged to probably for 30 or 40 years. And, and so this, this just wasn't going to work for them. And that club at the time when I joined was probably 120, 130 members. And within 10 years, it had dropped probably down to 60 members. Um, and Wow. It was so in the, half, literally. Yeah. yeah and I, I can't attribute all of that to the fact that women came into the club, but, but certainly it, it, it was going through uh, this evolutionary transition back in the early nineties. But, you know, for me, it was the first three years probably were I would say a lot of Rotarians experience when they, when they join just to kind of meet people and have some fellowship and see a program at lunchtime. And by that, I mean, you know, I would show up at the meeting. I ran out of the radio station at 1145, got to the, to the YMCA or wherever we were meeting at the time for lunch. And then saw this program, talked to some people, laughed, told some jokes that we probably shouldn't have been telling. And then we, uh, we adjourned and I raced back to the radio station for 115 or 130. And that was my rotary experience. That was what I did in rotary. I didn't, I didn't, nobody approached me about being on the board. Nobody approached me about being on a committee. We didn't do the whole, you know, they, they were a checkbook club. So 
if somebody so there wasn't needed, a lot of active you guys weren't out no, in the community you guys weren't. well we were in the community with our name on this sign or on a bench or in a park or right. whatever but that was that was how we were active in the community. and then one of the people who became a, a great mentor and then a very good friend um he's still very active rotarian in palm springs actually in california but he uh, he lived in the town that i was in for, for since his birth until he probably hit 60 years old uh and decided to move out west he um he was a dentist and he had done a lot of volunteer service in brazil and he was going to host a youth exchange student that he had who's um uh, aunt and uncle he had met in brazil mm-hmm. and he said but I, i'm going to host adolfo but um i'm only going to host him for you know youth exchange works three months three months three months if it's done correctly with a host you so you have one host the first three months then another host then another host in the last right, three, right. four months that you're there so he said i'll do the first three months but i need a host family for him for the second three months and he he was um a bachelor so he he hosted Adolfo on his own. And then we said, well, we don't know anything about it. We, our son at the time was six years old. Um, you know, is that age difference going to be um, too dramatic? You know, have a 17 or 18 year old uh, high school senior coming in with your six year old son. And he was like, now nah, it'll be fine. And we we're like, okay, we'll try it. And, you know, our son was an only child and we thought it'd be kind of neat to have an older, older brother. So we, uh, we hosted Adolfo and it, it literally changed our life and in, in many, many ways over the next four, you know, three decades, four decades since it's been. And it was, it was life-changing because we ended up hosting his sister two years later. We ended up hosting uh. four or five other students over the next uh, 15 or 20 years. And we, we developed ties to families that have become uh, extended families to ours um, that we never dreamed we could we could ever have developed. And uh, Adolfo went back to Brazil like you're supposed to when you're an exchange student, but then he came back to the U.S. for college, and then he uh, married a girl who was a U.S. citizen, and he became a U.S. citizen, and he still lives in Michigan uh, to this day and has three children of his own, and so we're grandparents to three um, American-Brazilian uh, grandchildren and he um uh, his his sister also have has dual citizenship and lives in the u.s and has two boys of whom we are the grandparents and when lucas uh graduated high school and was about to go into the marine reserves this past uh, may we went visited they live in pennsylvania now so we drove to the their place from our uh, house in the northeast and we spent the afternoon with them and it is truly it's family for us and it's it's remarkable that uh you know we've been able to do that and by the way i neglected to mention that when adolfo got married um in 2009 we we hosted the wedding in our backyard on the lake in michigan where we were living and that's awesome uh, so he got married at our property. So it, 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 that was just one, the first of many life-changing experiences for us at Rotary. So it sounds like, and first of all, thank you for telling us all what a Kiwanis person is, a Ka- Kiwanisan? Kiwanian. Kiwanian. Okay. Kiwanian. That, that is like my new word of the day. I think that's okay. awesome. I now know what a Kiwanian is. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like that for the first little time in your rotary, in your rotary adventure, you were kind of just going through the motions that it was like you join because you needed to know businesses, which I think is why a lot of people join rotary. And it took you a while uh, to find your why moment. Like, why am I in rotary? Is that kind of yeah, true? For- it, it's very true. And, and, you know, I guess they're also referred to as knife and fork Rotarians. They just come for the meal and they watch the program and then they leave. Right. And, and that's probably how I don't want to put a percentage on it, but a majority of Rotarians are, are that's what they want from Rotary. They just want to see what's today? going on in their community. I think it, it's changed a bit today. I think more people now join for service than for the, the, fellowship and and meet people but i think there's still a lot of people that join rotary to to you know when they're new to a community and this is how you meet people 
Um, and there are lots of other organizations that you can do that. The newcomers clubs in a lot of smaller towns are great for meeting people. And there are business networking organizations, BNA and whatever, and Toastmasters. And you can go down the list of all those kinds of just for networking. But if you, in my, for my purposes as a business owner, manager of that it, it does business to business. That's what radio and TV stations, you know, our, our clients Absolutely. Yeah. Are, are other businesses. So it was really important for us to, to, to meet those people, but radio stations and TV stations in particular radio stations are uh, local radio stations in the United States are, uh, we, we, our bread and butter is in community events. And we, we always did well when our clients and our communities thrived and did well. And so that's why it was so important for us to to make sure that we weren't just I, I wasn't just there to to meet people, hand out business cards and say, call me, call me, call me, advertise, right, advertise. Right. <laughs> I really wanted to develop relationships with these with these people so I could call Gary Clift, who was the uh, the owner of the car dealership and you know Pontiac dealership um, GMC in town. And and Gary, invet, you know, was invested in the community like I've never seen anybody. And so when he was running United way as a volunteer, non-paid chairman, he reached out to, to my wife, Sue and I, cause we, we ran the business together all of our you know, working career. And he said, we want you to chair the United way annual campaign this year. And so mm-hmm. that's how in, you know, I'm not sure in the largest communities, that's how it works, but in small communities across the U S that's how, um, business works and rotary is kind of an integral part of that whole uh, mechanism of uh, connected business leaders in the community who, you know, the, the, the money that's in nonprofits and in government is not sufficient to run these communities. Right. You have to have business people who contribute gift certificates and contribute with uh, donating their facilities and, and running these, these, these United way campaigns and whatever they might be. Um, without them, it, it, there's not enough to go around. But you, but I would say that you really hit your stride when you got to be a sponsor these these kids and and I should say shouldn't say kids they were kids at that time now yeah, they, they now they have kids yeah um so did and and one of the questions that we usually ask on the on the podcast is um is anybody else in your family a Rotarian and speaking you're saying that these these exchange students have turned into members of your family. Have they gone on to do stuff in Rotary? Are they Rotarians? Have they gone from exchange students to Rotaractors to Rotarians? Uh, the short answer, including our son, our biological son, is no. Um, and I think there are a lot of reasons for that. And that is a an issue that Rotary has in general is um, converting what we call alumni, youth exchange students, right. uh, ambassadorial scholars, all the people who have benefited in one way or another from a Rotary or a Rotary Foundation program and getting those people to to want to then give back. And, and youth exchange is kind of right now seeing a fair amount of conversion of alumni um, in the form of an, or, uh, an alumni organization called Rotex, which is Essentially, if you're a youth exchange student, um, once you're done, you become an alumni, whether you like it or not. You you did it. So you're now an alumni. (laughs) And um, the uh, the Rotex. So essentially, you're under that umbrella of being a Rotex, a Rotary Youth Exchange alumni. Um, But Rotex as an organization, and there is actually an organization called Rotex International, is trying to get those alumni to sign up either as Rotaractors, which is for, you know, younger, younger people. It's a, it's an offshoot of a Rotary club. Um, it's, they're actually now recognized as Rotarians That's or right. to yeah. just get them, get them to become Rotarians. Um, but they, you know, Rotary clubs have to welcome them, reach out to them and include them and be responsive to them as who they are, not just, Hey, you know, you were a youth exchange student. Now join our club. Um, they they need more than that. You know, why should I join the club? Just you know, I, I was a youth exchange student. I loved my experience. I learned a lot. I being in a different culture and so on. But that doesn't mean that I now want to commit the time and, and frequently uh, money 
to becoming a member of a Rotary Club. And a lot of them in there, especially if they're in their 20s and 30s, don't have the wherewithal to and the time right. to want to give to becoming a Rotarian. So Rotary's been you know, acknowledging that and coming up with alternative means of being a member and that cost less money and take less time or make it more flexible and being an online club. So you don't have to physically drive somewhere, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, I've never pushed anybody that um, for her students or, uh, or my son, but, you know, they, they see what we've done and how it's worked for us. And I think in time, if it's the right move for them, they will they will consider doing it, but they haven't done it yet. They haven't done it, and you did you did add yet. So I, I think it's yeah. very interesting. We we were talking about exchange students in one of my past shows, and the gentleman described it as find them, fund them, and forget them is a problem that we have in Rotary that we find them and we fund them. And then we don't expect anything of them either to join or in some cases, I know I will speak locally of here on my island. We sent uh, a young lady to South Korea for uh, three months and she hasn't come talk about it. She hasn't, you know, I interviewed her for the podcast in South Korea, but I mean, no one's reached out to her either and said, how was it? Come tell us all about it. What was your best? Equipment? Well, yeah, that's the key right there. Your second part. I mean, the first yeah. part is they're they're not necessarily going to say, "Oh, you know, club this on the is island." So great! I, I, I want to come and back. tell yeah. you all about it. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you. I mean, some of them do, but you know, then it can it can be difficult for them to figure out how to do it. But but you know, the club has to reach out, or the district has to reach out and say, "Hey, you know, you went on this exchange. Why don't you tell us about it?" Now, you know, the second I, I haven't had a Y moment, or you know. The, the right. moment that defined me as a Rotarian, I've had, you know, just many over the years that reinforce why I do it. Um, the, the second one was in 1997. So four years after we hosted our first student, um, I led a, at the time it was called group study exchange. Now it's kind of morphed into something different, which is vocational training team. But group study exchange was a program that was funded by the Rotary Foundation, which is the philanthropic arm of Rotary International. And we would send um, a team, usually of four or five professionals, young professionals in the developing stages of their career um, somewhere else in the world. And then we would, it's by its name, group study exchange, we would bring a team from wherever that was to, to our district. Um, and by the way, Rotary District, for those who are not aware, is just a, a, a conglomeration of clubs in a geographic right. usual right. area. It's like I'm in, I'm in, I'm in 50-50 here where I am. So, so the, uh, the group study exchange that I ended up leading is, so there's a team leader who's a Rotarian, and then there's four or five non-Rotarian team members. And our team uh, from the Detroit, Windsor, our, our District 6400 is actually made up of international clubs in both sides of the U.S. and Canada. And so we're covered Detroit and Windsor, Ontario and the surrounding towns. And then um, my four team members, um, it's just going back many, many years. So I can't remember all of them, but Brad was, uh, Bradford was a, uh, worked for Ford uh, Motor Company in Detroit. Um, we had a woman um, who was a uh, landscape designer. We had a teacher from Windsor and oh and we had an uh, African-American teacher from Detroit who this is very interesting was teaching Japanese to inner city Detroit students because of the car business being as impactful as it is in that area they felt like if students knew Japanese at least cursory Japanese that this would be a wonderful experience for them um uh, and and that, could be helpful as they as they yeah, get older. I mean, that makes that makes absolutely, you know, it makes huge amount of, of sense, you know, that actually it, it, it absolutely yeah. does. And of course, my team went to Japan. So that's why she applied to go on this. And, and by the way, this was a very generous grant. It, it essentially the foundation covered your your travel to and from wherever you were going. It, and then you were put up in families. Um, homestays uh while you were there and it's a four or five week you have to be able to get four or five weeks off from your job to uh, or his leave of absence or whatever wow uh, to be able to go and so you know i put the value of this program for me um with all the golf that my 
hosts in Japan wanted to take me on at probably about, and I'm not a golfer, um, but probably at about $25,000 for that month of just wow. uh, you know, all the, the amazing things that you do and the meals that you get and, and the, the forget about the, the fact that this is a cultural opportunity like no other. I mean, your hosts wine and dine you and show you things and take you places that if, if I bought a $10,000 trip to Japan, I would never do um, or, you know, just wouldn't exist like that. Right. So it, it was a great experience. Um, and, and that became for me another, Oh, this is, this is a part of rotary. I never knew when I was just going to lunch in my little town mm-hmm. in Michigan. Um, so that was in, in 1997. And then, uh, over the years we've, my wife, uh, and, and I, uh, she joined rotary in 1999. She was a charter president of, uh, of a new morning club in our town that I ended up subsequently joining a couple of years later. And, um, we we've had, I can't tell you how many experiences internationally and even domestically, uh, where we got to, to meet people and see the amazing things that Rotarians are doing around in their communities, um, in your region and around the world. And when you're a district governor, which both uh, she and I have been, I was governor in 2008-9 of District 6400, and she was governor in 2016-17, you really get to see on a granular level how many different clubs are doing how many different things in both in their community and around the world. Um, and so that's why for us, all of these activities have reinforced uh, the fact that we've essentially given our lives at this point to Rotary. We're now retired and, and other than consulting in, in radio, we, uh, we spend you know, most of our waking hours doing Rotary things. Um, we've chaired district conferences where anywhere from three to 500 Rotarians gather for three or four days and learn about what other clubs are doing and see inspiring presentations from speakers around the world who come in and talk about uh, projects that they're working on. Um, we hosted uh, the uh, zone Institute because you have clubs that belong to districts and districts that belong to zones. That's how the board of directors of Rotary International is comprised right. of directors from the zones around the world. Uh, so we, we were asked by the director at the time uh, in our zone to host her, her uh, zone Institute um, in Detroit. And so uh, we hosted that for, uh, for a, a person who you and I both know pretty well, Jennifer Jones. <laughs> she was yeah. the director at the time. Um, so that was something that my wife Sue and I did together uh, back in 2015, the Motor City Zone. And uh, we've both done travel to Ghana, where we helped rebuild a school, did some other projects in a small village outside of Accra, Ghana, back in, I think, 2007-ish. Um, we, she went to Brazil to the same university that uh, our first exchange student, Adolfo's aunt and uncle, ran. Uh, in the Amazon, and she taught English as a second language to some of the, uh, the residents of this area in Brazil um, so that they could hopefully improve their skills and attract more tourists. Not sure how successful an endeavor that has been. But well, you were technically were tourists as well as Rotarians. So, you know, we were, there was your we little were. bit of an. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. There was some incentive to do that. But, uh, um, and then, uh, you know, it, it, we've, we've just, we've had. So many of those experiences. And then, of course, the Rotary International Convention, which has been sidelined a little bit over the past two years, as so many other activities have been in person. Right. Um, but, you know, over the years, we've been to conferences. I won't remember them all, but uh, went to conventions in um, uh, Birmingham, England, Lisbon, uh, Toronto, Korea, we were in Seoul. So we, you know, we've probably been to 10 Rotary conventions over the, the past so, couple of decades. So if we, if we break apart your, your Rotary story, you know, you started off as a, as a radio guy, getting to know people, mm-hmm. then you moved into being, uh, expanding your family internationally through international students. And now you're retired and it seems like you're traveling all over the place. And I think it's it's awesome. And now I'm going to be the slightly devil's advocate. There are some rotary groups, including mine. I have a, I'm on a little island out here in the Puget Sound. And when I hear you go, we went to this country, we went here, and we traveled here, and we did that. 
how do I inspire some of my listeners who are in a group of maybe 10, 15 Rotarians? And you're saying all these places that you've gone to, how do they even know where those programs are? How can they even be a part of that? Is that just something that it's only for larger groups or larger districts, or you got to know somebody who knows somebody? I mean, you're talking about these fantastic things and I'm jealous. I'm like, I would like to do that. I'm a Rotarian. How do I get to travel and go to all those places and do those fabulous things? Well, you got to pay your membership initiation to our very exclusive club when, I mean. Okay, so I was wondering, is there a decoder ring? Is there a secret handshake or? No, I think of all the things you just threw out there, the closest thing is you got to, you got to know people, but that's why you're Rotarian, to know people. So Uh, um, the Ghana trip, which is one of my most memorable ones, came about because the, uh, 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 another gentleman who was um, from Windsor, Ontario, um, who subsequently became a district governor a few years after I did, he and his wife, um, he, he was very, he's a fascinating guy. And he's actually in the, the passport club that Sue and I are now both members of at a passport club is an online yeah. club that does service in whatever community you're in. And it works for us because we travel between our Connecticut home and our Florida home. And we, we are going to be traveling to California where our son and his family just moved. So we're never like in one place all the time to go to a regular club meeting. Mm-hmm. So by becoming this passport club, it makes sense for us with our schedule. So Michael and Shelley, um, he is an African Canadian whose mother was from if I have this correct, his mother was from Ghana, but his father was from, I think, Eastern Europe. Um, he, he essentially, he was mixed race child. So he wanted to go and discover his Ghanaian roots. Okay. He pronounces it Ghana, which mm-hmm. I think is the Canadian pronunciation of Ghana. <laughs> um, so he did that. And from that, he saw needs for projects and started a program with his wife called Relay, which stood for Rotarians Enhancing the Learning of African Youth. And by the way, Michael was a group study exchange member, team member to Mm -hmm. South Africa a couple of years before my Japan trip and um, before he was a Rotarian. And because of that group study exchange experience, he became a Rotarian. And then he decided, and and that was like in 1995, and then he decided um, that they were going to form this relay organization to try and improve schools, school situation in small communities throughout Africa. Uh, But you got to start somewhere. So they started with this village in Ghana and he recruited 24 people to go with him. And about half of us were Rotarians and half were not. But of the half who were not, uh, which was like 12 people, I think 10 became Rotarians after that trip as a result of that trip um and if they could not afford to go they would do fundraisers and bake sales and hit up friends or whatever you know give me a hundred dollars whatever to to come up with at least enough money to scrape together the the airfare to go to to this trip um so you have to you have to kind of put yourself out there meet people uh go to a district conference because district conferences are where a lot of these projects and ideas are shared there's a guatemala literacy project that is always looking for volunteers covid's a tough time to do any of this stuff because most of these projects have been put on ice um so you know once we can travel a little more freely you know show our vaccine cards and go where we got to go um, then we we should be able to get back to this kind of thing. And at that point, once you get involved in more rotary activities, read your district newsletters, um, learn what other clubs are doing, um, go to the rotary.org website, which has all kinds of um, projects that are coming up. You, you, you know, you can put together a project on your own or see where the needs are and come up and, you know, hit up a few of your friends on the island and say, hey, we're going to we're going to go to Honduras because there's uh, this great need for uh, water wells down there. I went with uh, Sue and I both went with uh, another past district governor in 2006. 17, I think, to um, El Salvador, where he had been working with a non-rotary organization, as well as rotary clubs down there, to uh, bring water to remote villages in northern El Salvador, war-torn northern El Salvador. So we went with him to this 
wonderful town that I never in a million years would have gone to called Suchi Toto in El Salvador and got to meet an amazing nun from New Jersey who had been living there since the Civil War in the 90s. Wow. Um, sister, sister Peggy O'Neill. And so you just, by meeting people, it begets more people who begets more projects and more things that they do. And all of a sudden you're like, I don't have time to do all these projects that are out there. Um, you know, so it's, it, it sounds like what you're asking all of us to do is maybe a tad bit of personal responsibility in the sense that more, probably more than a tad. Yeah. Yeah. That if you, that if you're, if you're interested in doing this stuff, do it. And if you want to get to know people, introduce yourself. And I think that's very interesting. I have around me on this island, I have four clubs on this on this little island out here. And it was an absolute shocker when I said, you know what, you guys, we should have a picnic with the four clubs of this island. A picnic. I mean, I'm not talking brain surgery here. A picnic. You know, let's have a picnic. What do all you guys do? I mean, with between all four of our clubs, it may be 100, maybe 125 people max. So we're not talking we're going to take over the streets by any means. But I can honestly say it was an eye opener for people that they were like, oh, that's kind of a good idea. Well, yeah. And then, you know, when, and then when you do the picnic, don't squander the opportunity and just say, okay, you know, here's the baked beans and the hot dogs, but then sit down and say, okay, while we have this opportunity that we're all together, Gwen, thank you so much for coming to the picnic today. Tell us one thing that you've done in your life that we would never have known about you. And then if you go to Tom and you go to Michelle and you go on down the line and suddenly you've heard 125 people tell you one thing that you didn't know about them from that, you might learn that the dentist sitting next to you who just only cleaned your teeth or checked your, your, your cavities all of a sudden is a volunteer one month a year in Brazil or in the Philippines or somewhere in the world or the doctor who you go to checkup has belonged to doctors without borders or would like to or you right. know so that's how you develop that network if, if you do have to take personal responsibility and not just wait for those opportunities to kind of fall from the sky and and drop upon you and 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 i and, and that's great and that's and i think that's you know because people i think in the first part of this podcast are just going to be just like well that's great i'll be lucky if i do one of those I'll be lucky which is if I fine. do, which, which is, is fine. which is fine, but it makes, you know, it's going to make me have a little bit of an aha moment going, gosh, how many times have I let an opportunity go by that I didn't even know about, especially because my particular district is very much like yours. And half of our clubs are in Canada. They're in the BC area, the Vancouver right. area. Right. And so, you know, it's like, I can't get up to Canada right now. Maybe someday, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, you can <laughs> but, if you have a but, if you have a vaccine card and a passport. I do, and I thought that's right. That's right. The border is open. Newsflash! I'm so it excited. Is. I have not yeah. been to my friends up north in quite some time, but it it does encourage me to like. Maybe I've been too lackadaisical a bit. So I, I, I challenge my listeners. Yeah, I don't know if it's lackadaisical. You're you're living life, and life right. goes by, and you know, but it. it, it my life experience, the first one that I mentioned came about because what we talk about in Rotary all the time about getting new members, you have to ask. We were asked to be exchange student parents. We didn't know the program existed. We didn't, right. I mean, I, didn't I've heard know of exchange the kid. students. Right. You didn't yeah, know, I didn't know anything about that. But happen. somebody somebody said one on one, they didn't like send me an email or, you know, whatever. They asked me and said, I'm hosting this kid, but we need a host family. Will you do it? And, and so that's how you get people to, to participate in things, rotary or otherwise, is you have to at least you have to ask. But it's more than just an ask. You got to you've got to sell it. I can't just say, hey, Gwen, I want you to give me 50 bucks. You know, I got to say what we're doing and why we right. need this. And by the way, it would just be 50 bucks. But if you're sold on the idea or on the concept, then, you know, the 50 bucks is, is a no brainer. But if I said, hey, Gwen, send me 50 bucks, you're going to be like, yeah, right. See ya. Yeah, right. So that's that's what it comes down to is stating the case and 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 spreading the word. And that's what this podcast does. So kudos mm-hmm. to you for doing that and and giving people opportunities to, to get out of their comfort zone and do things that maybe they would never have done. Amen. All right. Well, there's a question that I always ask, and I just have a, a couple more for you because I know you have to get back to the sunshine and 
I have to up the heat around here. Um, and that's always about the four-way test. And it's the one I get the most response on from email. And we have broken down over these several episodes. What is the four-way test? I mean, it is our motto. It's our guiding principle here in Rotary. But what does the four-way test mean to you? And how do you use it in your life? Is it more esoteric? Is it something you just kind of throw away to the side and don't have much use for it because you're just a good human being? I don't need a reminder. You know, I mean, what does the four-way test mean to you? Yeah, it's... It is. I wouldn't say it's esoteric, but I wouldn't say that, you know, I sit there and, and view everything that I do by going through those four, those four uh, key tenants. But essentially, I think it's like the golden rule. So you got to you got to tell the truth, do the best you can do. Um, make sure that it's fair, not only to, to me, but to you or to whoever I'm dealing with. Um and, and that there's some kind of benefits to, to whatever we're doing. And I think if you if you just live your life by those those four guiding principles, then you know most things good will come from it. Um, I think most people, most good people that you meet in life are living the four-way test. They just it hasn't been verbalized to them that way. <laughs> no one's gotten a little plaque or something That's that they correct. can have handy to remind them, you know. Well, then have you, as a, as a good humored question, what has come up to us several times is being a four-way test cop. In other words, especially during this time of social media, we have a lot of blessed Rotarians that go out there and kind of on those keys on the local Facebook going, I don't know if that's fair to all concerned, or I don't know. And they turn into kind of four-way cop police. Is yeah, that- I don't think in the four-way test there's anything about judging others. So, you know, Ooh. I think it's it's got to be it's you know, and I do judge others, but I don't I don't apply the four-way test to them. Um I I think that you have to live by the four-way test if you, you know, if you choose to. And it's not my job to tell you to live by the four-way test. Um you know, uh if you uh if you're coming into my house for dinner, it's my job to say, and you are fully vaccinated, boosted, right, Gwen? Right. But, um, but if you're if if you're not coming into my house for dinner, it's not my business to to judge you and tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Um, mm-hmm. So no, I don't I don't think that's a proper usage of the four way test. It's not beneficial to all concerned if I'm judging you. And that's you know I have to say, in all the times I've asked this question. I, I'm not sure if the J word of judging someone has ever come up. I mean, I, I find it, man, maybe it's a Rotarian thing that when I talk about the, the four-way test cop, nine times out of 10, I have Rotarians going, well, sometimes, or, ooh, I've seen others. But I think you're the first to say that it's not your prerogative to judge somebody and how they live. Which now, is- let me let me adhere to the four way test. The first one, which is that the truth, I judge people all the time, but I don't do it through <laughs> the lens of the four way test and, and and telling you that you should be live. You should. You know, I hate that word. You should right. be. I, I judge privately. I think we all do. You know, how can you the first time you meet somebody, you get an impression of that person, fair or other, you know, fair That's or not true. Right. Uh, of who they are. So you're judging. But it's not up to me to be. You 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 determined it as the four way test cops or police and you know Rotary doesn't have cops um, fortunately and uh, you know we we have principles and guides and and kind of things that we should use uh, along the way to to help us in in how we behave as humans as well as Rotarians and that's what my wife and I try and do. So as we start closing things down in this, uh, how has because you said you joined. Way back in the 90s, before before the change of the millennia. Um, how's how's Rotary changed since you joined? And I mean, the first thing we can say is I'm talking to you as a fellow Rotarian and a right. woman. So and that you couldn't have be, done that. That's right. Yeah. So oh. that would be number one. But how how has it changed? What's been the biggest things you've noticed the change? Well, I think that there they have been because Rotary is now a hundred and I can't do the math, 17 years old. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it has been evolutionary, not revolutionary in its change. And the changes that we make are, are certainly to some people glacial and 
way too slow, but they are changes. Um, they are. The, the buzzword right now, buzz initials in Rotary is DEI, which I think is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think the, the concept of being inclusive of all people in a Rotary club or a Rotary project or an organization is very important. I think having a homogeneous, homogeneous um, uh, approach to a club, you know, where we all look the same and act the same is not healthy any more than it is for a community. And I think Rotary clubs should represent their communities if they're going to really make true um, positive change in their communities. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that our attempting to spread the word of Rotary outside of the 1.2 1.2 or 3 million Rotarians around the world is a good thing, not just in terms of boosting our membership, but in terms of boosting uh, our our legacy and showing the world that we're, we're more than just a bunch of people that get together for lunch, dinner, or breakfast, and that we actually do stuff and good mm-hmm. stuff and change lives. Um, so, I, you know, I think that the, the changes that we have made as an organization are are positive in that they expand Rotary's reach to, to, you know, ultimately it's not just about expanding Rotary. It's about expanding the great things that Rotarians and Rotary clubs can do. Mm-hmm. And so the more members we can get to do, it helps us do more things that change more lives. And, you know, whether it's eradicating polio, which we're on the verge of doing in the, in the, around the globe, um, or it's um, bringing clean water to, to, widespread communities and impoverished nations, uh, the work that Handwash is doing in Haiti to try and improve the lives of people who just keep getting beaten and beaten and beaten down. Don't they though? Um, yeah. You know, by natural disasters and, and, and corrupt governments and so on and so forth. That's Those are the things where Rotarians really shine, but most people in the world don't understand or know that they do it. And so, um, and I'll give you one final example. A very good friend of mine, I worked with the radio even before the 90s, Gwen. <clears throat> this is like the early 80s. My God, um, you were yeah. swaddling diapers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and still, and, and will be soon. Um, so I was with, uh, with him. I'm still friends with him after all these years. And he is now doing his own podcast. And he proudly told me uh, two weeks ago that he had interviewed. It's a podcast all about things that are happening in Connecticut. So I'll give his his podcast a quick plug. Um, Do yes, amazing tales from on and off Connecticut's beaten path, available on Podbean. And he, um, there you go. <laughs> he proudly told me that he had interviewed the the uh, son of Jonas Salk, who had discovered, you know, wow. developed the polio vaccine, yes. and who lives in Northwest Connecticut. Right. And I and he's telling me all about polio and how it still exists in the world. Now, by the way, he knows I'm a Rotarian. He knows Sue and I are very he, active in Rotary. But things aren't clicking. He had not heard anything about and he and he's a researcher beyond researchers. I mean, he 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 is a master of journalism and, and he was a news guy back before, you know, at, at Google. So he knows how to research a story, but he had never come across the connection between Rotary and polio eradication, even though for Rotarians, it's like, it's, it's like know, a no brainer, especially in October. It's in our, it's in our heart and soul. <laughs> exactly. So I just thought it was fascinating that here's somebody who's extremely educated, who's extremely, um, not just literate, but who who knows how to get to the guts of a story. Who didn't un, didn't wasn't aware of this this great connection that Rotary has to this eradication of polio, and and he has since now just seen the light and uh, talked about it on his podcast. So, but uh, uh, I well, just find that that still to to me means we have lots of opportunity in the world. Yeah. Amen, brother. All right. So I have one more question for you because you you had mentioned that a, a dear mutual friend of ours is about to become president here in a few months, and that would be Jennifer Jones. And let's say we get back and do this podcast a year and a half from now. And she's done. And she's probably sleeping a lot <laughs> after her year. Like Rip Van Winkle. Like Rip Van, exactly. So she's had her year. And you started Rotary when there was like no women. And now we had our first female Rotary International president. What was it like? If you could, if you could tell us about the future, what was her, what was her year like? What kind of impact did it have on you and the rest of Rotary? 
Well, I'm, I would hope that it was as inspiring as she is. Um, it, it allows Rotarians to see not just the, the things that they do, but the importance of the things that they do so that it's more than just, um, you know, doing the project, but it's, it's all about the lives that are changed as a result of doing the project because Jennifer um, is, is somebody who has an imagination is somebody who can, who can be visionary and, and, and more importantly, inspire others to be that way. Um, her, her theme, she was the governor in our district the year before I was. Mm. So I followed her as governor and her theme that year as a governor in the district was imagine the possibilities. And now her theme as Rotary National President is Imagine Rotary. And so I think that she will have have inspired not only the current members of Rotary, but a whole host of new um, you know, and prospective Rotarians to understand that, that life is, um, is more than just going to lunch, dinner, or breakfast. It's, it's actually, when you give to Rotary, you give of yourself and you become a better person because of the lives you change. Well, I'm, I'm excited. I think that sounds like a great, like a great year. And I, and it also goes all the way back full circle to what you mentioned uh, near the beginning of this interview together. And that is some personal responsibility. She's, she, you know, I, I hope that she in her presidency encouraged people to go out there and, imagine and step up and see you know and start getting to know people especially other rotarians and what they do and maybe by the end of her year we're not 1.2 1.3 maybe we're closer to two or more that'd be nice yeah. and i think Definitely you're right would. all right bruce thank you for taking time out of your sunny floridian day to tell me all well, about it's starting your to get story. chilly it's just starting you know out here in florida it's almost four o'clock so the sun is starting to go down and i'm gonna have to run inside but uh, thank you for asking me it's been a joy oh thank you thank you thank you and i'm sure since we are both uh, uh participating in a lot of extracurricular activities when it comes to rotary our paths will meet again very soon until then have a wonderful best of your wife and enjoy sunny florida go get warm thanks uh, put another <laughs> log on the fire i will take care Thanks, Bruce. And yes, I did go put another log on the fire. Hey, I always try to leave you with a thought. And here's my thought. Personal responsibility. You know, is it up to Rotary and Rotary International to tell you about all these programs to get you excited? Could you imagine what you could do if you took the first step? If you took the first initiative? I don't know if you remember President Kennedy said, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. What if we say that about Rotary? And hey, in the future, what impact did Miss Jennifer Jones have on Rotary? Did we make it to two million? I'd like to look off into the future and think that way. I would love to imagine two million Rotarians. Wouldn't you? And to know that Bruce is one of those Rotarians does bring a smile to my face. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. If you like my podcast, please tell a friend. It makes it so much easier for them to find us on all those platforms. And if you'd like to hear a more musical side of me, check me out every Wednesday. I'm on the radio in Europe, rotaryradiouk.org. And if you have a guest that I should know about, Please shoot me an email, won't you? Rotarianpod at gmail.com. All right, then. Until next week, do take care of yourself and the world around you. Uh, Take care of yourself and the world around you. And we'll hear you next time on the I'm Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye.